This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You can't jeopardize everything in your life just for your own selfish goal. So, you know, in... in in my own kind of hippity dippity view of how the world works is, you know, it's, life is always going to swing you back to center, but that pendulum is going to swing you a little far to kind of overcompensate from how far you came. And you have to learn how to really navigate that. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey everybody, welcome to the Dreamcatchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the great pleasure of having Glenn Esterson with me today. Glenn, how are things down in Wilmington, NC? It's a beautiful day, man. You know, it's, it's, it's a glorious life sometimes. I feel like it's all the time, man. I'm grateful to meet your acquaintance a couple of weeks ago, and we were jamming. I was like, I got to get Glenn on the podcast. So here we sit today. I appreciate you making some time for us. Before we to the episode too deep, what's the best way for folks to get in contact with you? My website's the easiest way, guys. It's uh, themhpexpert.com. And on there, you can just click around, find my phone and email and stuff like that. I return every phone call. I return every email. I'm here to help people. By all means, just, you know, hit me up if you want to chat. More than happy to talk. Beautiful. And so we don't do a whole lot of introductions here because I really want to pull out the story as we go through the conversation today. And so the first question is just kind of along the lines of, like, before you jumped out and started living the life of your wildest dreams, what was life like? It's, it's a funny ride getting to where you're trying to go. You know, it's, you never know what's around that corner, right? It's be somebody to make your day or somebody to break your day. And, and first 25 years of my life, really 35 years of my life was a lot about breaking my day. And, you know, I, I just adopted, you know, I was raised by a really great family, but, you know, we were world apart. And, you know, I left home at a very young age. And I uh, just floundered and floundered and floundered and floundered. And, uh, you know, that uh, growing up, I didn't know what was, you know, good for me or bad for me. I just kind of reacted. And that little chip on your shoulder just every year kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, not even realizing that you have a chip. 
And uh, around 25 years old, I had my first kid and uh, his mom was an alcoholic and uh, he was born with a, a bad liver. And it was it was real intense. I mean, like intense, intense. And uh, so I lived in a hospital for a couple of years with my son while he was getting liver transplants and going through, ended up getting cancer from one of the liver transplants and going through all that jazz. And I, I, I said, there's got to be a better way in life than sitting here just getting your ass kicked every day. And uh, I, I was poor. I mean, I was dirt poor. You know, and luckily we had state-sponsored insurance and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I'm looking at these other families that are in these hospitals with me. And, you know, they got problems that were like, eclipse my problems. <laughs> my kid's alive and his body looks pretty normal, you know. And uh, they got kids with hearts outside of them, and, you know, stomachs outside of them. And these terrible experiences. And, and, I, and I sat there. It was the first time in my life. And I'd been through more than most by that point in my life. I mean, in and out of just terrible places. But that was the first time in my life when I, when I remember seeing this, this beautiful family with this child who was absolutely just stricken with cancers and, and terrible events and uh, they're smiling and they're happy and they're having a good time and i'm sitting there boo-hooing so hard every day about my son and woes me shit you know sorry stuff and uh and it occurred to me like if those guys can be happy and grateful then i'm a schmuck if i'm not because because i'm i'm pretending like my problems are bigger than everybody else's and some clicked some clicked in there and the fire began inside my belly and I said, I'm not going to allow this to be a determining factor, the final nail in my coffin. And uh, that was that was all it took. You know, my son got healthy. I couldn't get employed. I mean, I I was unemployable at that stage in my life. And so I got my real estate license. And, uh, you know, they'll take anybody with a real estate license. <laughs> you know, So uh, I went and did that and, and hooked up with this this landlord guy that was like a family friend. But he was like hardcore like old school new yorker type of landlord and didn't take no guff and did everything the way i wouldn't do it but i was really impressed with this guy and he was providing all this this housing really really cheap housing for people for like the, the poorest of the poor and he's like you know you can do this glenn i said what do you mean i could do this he's like you know why, why don't why don't you help me find tenants for for my apartments and i'll give you a half month's rent before i knew it i was making real money and helping people find housing and that ship started filling in a little bit. It wasn't me against the world and it wasn't the world against me. It was kind of like purposeful almost. Like now all of a sudden I got, I got something I believe in beyond just the hatred of life that's been just, just, just horribly difficult to understand. And before I knew it, I had enough money to go buy a farm. And that's been my dream since I was a kid, you know, buying my own farm and being a farmer and dropping off the grid. So I saved up my money. I worked my butt off. And before I knew it, I had my first six figures. And I, I, to me, coming from where I came from, that might as well have been a billion dollars, you know. And uh, I said, that's enough. I said, doctors told me the best way for my son to remain healthy was to go get out in the country air and feed organic foods and live a good life like that. And I said, you got to tell me twice. So I bought a farm in the middle of nowhere for like a thousand bucks an acre in the middle of North Carolina somewhere. And uh, raised my kids out, you know, raised my son out there by myself. You know, mom was long gone you know, all that kind of stuff. And boy, it was beautiful. It was awesome. Except I was poor, very poor still. That $100,000, that didn't last very long, <laughs> you know. And, you know, years went by, decades went by. And uh, about 35 years old, I, I got my life pretty well together by that point. And I, I turned into 
the most oddest career ever. I was North Carolina's largest mushroom grower, you know, for shiitake mushrooms, you know, and made a little business out of that and, and started a co-op with a, a guy that was a really great guy named Rodney. He was kind of like way smarter than me. And, and, and he's like, no, let's do this. And I said, if you're doing it, I'm doing it. And so we started this really great co-op with like 300 farmers teaching people how to make 10 or 20 grand a year off of just, you know, scrap wood. And, you know, it was great, but like my best year was like 30 grand. <laughs> you know, I said, well, this, I said, this ain't gonna work. And, uh, I bought, uh, a trailer park at the time. This, this is kind of how my career got started was, you know, I bought a trailer park in the middle of nowhere, straight rednecks and meth labs, you know, like that old type of thing. And just like you'd see on, on the trailer park show, except this was real life for me. And it was, it was real hard. It was real difficult. And, and, but it was the only way I can make money without actually like having a job. Cause like I said, it was pretty much unemployable even still in the mushroom business while fun didn't really make you much money. And so I bought this trailer park and realized that like, Hey, it's way harder than I could have ever imagined, but at least I can count on having a decent income from this thing. And eventually that turned into, why am I sitting here on my farm working for peanuts? I have potential and it's almost unfair to my children at this point that I'm not using the top potential of my life, despite having a beautiful, fun life and teaching my kids that happiness is the most important, or at least thinking happiness was the most important. Eventually, I said, you know what, I'm going to go get back in the real estate game. And boy, I've never looked back since. You know, I, it's a lot of fat you got to cut. You know, I had to change relationships. I had to do a lot of things that were very hard, you know. Um, we hold on to it, this negative crap, this negative stuff, like it's like it's something to cherish. It's weird, man, <laughs> you know, and eventually you just let go of it. And then life gets a little bit easy. Now, life, in my experience, has never gotten easy. It's never gotten easy. It never will get easy. It's a grind, you know, and you got to be prepared for that every day. And as, as long as you don't die, you know, I think you're doing all right. <laughs> you know, so but I, but I started with very low expectations in life, you know. Um, now, now I do pretty, pretty well. I do, uh, you know, I got a beautiful young wife. I got three kids. I got a giant house. And, you know, we, we travel you know, around the world as often as we can. And, um, you know, everybody's, you know, doing pretty well. And it was, it was a long, it was a long road to get here, but that, that was kind of, you know, 40 something years in a nutshell. <laughs> That's amazing. And so there's a few things that you said that jumped out, but there's one that I really want to lean on. And, it's this concept of you deciding that I don't want to be poor anymore and I'm being selfish or yeah. kind of mistreating my family if I don't live out my best life. Yeah. So did you have a few different situations or times along the journey where you were like, you were being called to do more, but you stayed in kind of that comfort zone of just, yeah, I did, you know, but I, I there was times like when, when my son was born, right? You know, I, I thought that right before he was born, I said, I'm going to go to college, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to go be college graduate. And, and dude, I loved college. It was great. I, I did four years of college in like two and a half years, you know, and uh, right in that last, you know, year of college, I thought I was going to go do, uh, you know, customer service or something like that for a dot com and got a job with a dot com. They imploded just as, you know, uh, as you know, a little bit later, but it, before I graduated college, you know, I got a girl pregnant who I just met and that, that turned out to be my son. And, um, you know, so I had to drop out of college. Luckily my grades carried me through and, and I was able to get my degree, but you know, it was, uh, 
then he was born and I was already working for this dot com and they were going belly up with the you know the bubble burst that you know happened in ninety nine, two thousand. And I just kept saying, like, life just doesn't want me to to be successful. Life just doesn't want to. I mean, starting from where I was, like every instance of my life was like a giant hammer coming down. And, you know, my dad, I'd, I'd cry to my dad, you know, and, and he would, he'd look at me like I was on drugs or something, you know, like, what are you talking about? And you have most potential of anybody, you know, and, he, and, he, and I said, dad, I'll never make more than $40,000 a year. I was, you know, I was 25 or something, right? Crying to him. Maybe I was 22, 23. And, uh, and, and he's, he's just looking at me like, don't be stupid. You, you don't know what's ahead of you. And I couldn't believe that. I just couldn't believe that, you know, like this life was that hard. And I wouldn't believe that until I was in my thirties. And one day I, I just, I was going through a, a pretty terrible breakup with a woman. And, uh, and I remember, and I remember saying to myself, if this is the most I offer, I had to offer my kids living in a thousand square feet with, you know, my, my three kids and her three kids and you know, six kids in a thousand square feet with one bathroom, man. Like, whew, that was fun, you know, for for a very long time, <laughs> you know. For, and, and we'd have to rent out our house during the during the warmer months, and so we could make a few extra bucks. And we lived in a cabin that was four hundred square feet, all of us. It was nuts, you know. And uh, not even a bathroom in that cabin. We were pooping in the woods, like for real, <laughs> you know. Like, it's like, how else are you gonna survive? I mean, we dumpster dive, did all these things. And started thinking, like, like this can't be what my kids are destined for. This can't be. And if I'm their, their, their main source of inspiration in life is for at least, you know, if you have a, a, a you know, father figure in your life, they, for most boys, it seems to be that the father's a big inspiration. At least, at least my adopted father was. And, uh, and it, it just it started occurring to me, like I'm holding back and I'm doing it because I got this chip on my shoulder that tells me I can't do more than what I'm doing. I'm living this great life, but why, why am I broke? Why am I unhappy? Why am I struggling? Why this? Why that? Why am I picking food up out of a dumpster and trying to, you know, make it seem like it's a normal thing, you know? And uh, eventually I said, ah, the hell with this. I'm going to make it or break it. I'm going to try one more time. One more time, I'm going to go try and make my fortune. And that, that one more time was all it took. It was all it took, you know? It was, uh, I, I flew out to Atlanta, got an interview with this public company, Gave them my best spiel, like determination, drive, you know, look past my past. Look at me now. Look at what I'm doing, look what I'm dealing with. If you think I can't outrun everybody in your office, you know, I'll, I'll prove you wrong. You can fire me in six months if I'm not the best person you fired. And somehow I got bought it. I can't believe he bought it, but somehow he bought it. And I, and I forced myself to live up to that. And it cost me that relationship, which was very near and dear to me, you know, but like it was a direction that woman didn't want to go. And so I, I learned to refer to that because it happened many times in my life. As you, you know, if you want to get to where you're going, sometimes you got to cut the fat. And that fat is painful to cut, man. It's painful. And, you know, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I don't do all these other things that I could have put my attention into. And so I usually just get massive anxiety, you know. And uh, so I thought, the hell with that. I'm not going to sit here and cry all day. And I just dove into work like my life depended on it. And that phrase, my, like my life depended on it, became what I needed to tell myself every single day because my life depends on it. My kid's life depends on it. I want them going to good schools. I don't want them eating out of dumpsters. And, you know, now here we are. There's two phrases that, that always rang true for me. And uh, one was, I will persist until I succeed. And, uh, and the other is, you know, work like your life depends on it because, man, it does.
it does. A lot of us think we're working hard. A lot of us think we're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing all this stuff, you know. And you find yourself not getting anywhere, you know. It's like you're celebrating these really tiny progresses, and you're like, I know I shouldn't be celebrating this little progress. It's like, I mean, kindergarten can do what I'm doing, you know. Inside my head somewhere, it was telling me I was a loser and wasn't good enough, you know. Um, to like, nah, if that, I'm, I might not be as good as everybody else, but you know what I am? I'm fucking determined. And if I want to get somewhere, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I got to do to get there. And, you know, and there's fallout. There's always fallout. But if, if, if you make time for what's important for you and at the top of what's important for you is my children, at least for me, you know, my children, my parents, my wife, you know, all it's like one big, most important thing in my life. And then everything else really kind of fell out to the side. As long as I didn't lose any of that, I was willing to go as hard and as long as it took to get to where I am now. And now I'm stuck in a pattern of like, I just got to keep going because now, now it's like, now I see something that gets like getting to the top of the mountain and seeing like, Oh, look at all those other mountains I can go climb, you know? And it, it, it's kind of like that. Now it's just like my brain pops every day with like ideas. I'm only 20. What do I have to offer the world? thing? Man, you know, I'm glad you're thinking about that now, son, because you know, you're already ahead of me at the game before I started thinking about that, you know, at that age. And it's, it's a trying challenge. And, and, and seeing people blossom into what they do best, man, it's the coolest thing, you know. And it's like, you know, people are like, oh, what about your competitors? I got nothing but praise for my competitors, guys who are performing, you know, people that, like, aren't even really friends of mine. I still kind of keep track of because I see what they're doing. I get so happy for people when I see people moving past what I know was uncomfortable for them. Because that uncomfort zone, man, that's just scary. <laughs> like, that, like, you know, it's like, no, nah, I'll just sit here on the couch and, and you know, just not try. Because, <laughs> like, at least I know the couch won't, won't kill me, you know. So, Glenn, you, you've talked about cutting the fat. You've talked about just making that big pitch. Was there a point where, like, you decided, like, this is rock bottom, it can't get any worse, and just kind of everything's on the line? Was it that pitch in Atlanta, or was there some other stuff? Rock bottom was every day of my life before I, before I was 35 almost, okay? Every single day that there was – I was like, oh, it can't get much worse than this. It's like, yeah, I got something for you, bro. You know, and uh, it's like, oh, I married this, you know, or I got this girl, this, this girl pregnant who I don't even know. I met her for five days before she was pregnant. Now, it doesn't get much worse than that. And let me show you how much worse it gets, you know, and then the alcoholism and then a boy being born with a failed liver and then all that process – Every single day was the worst day of my life up until I finally said, that's my fault. That's not anything else's fault. That's my fault that I have the worst life, not anything else. And, you know, I can blame it on all these amazing reasons and like fully justifiable to say, you know, like, that's not my fault. That was her fault. That's not my fault. That was this fault, you know, and totally protect yourself, which is what I was doing. But until I came, got real real with me and said, I don't want to live like that anymore. I'm going to do something about it. That's that bridge you need to get to, you know. And for most of us, for maybe a lot of people, it's really easy. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe people who, who got that silver spoon stuff, you know, like they're taught differently from the beginning and it's a lot easier for them. You know, maybe, you know, for me, it was like not like that. You know, for me, the, 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 my parents, the guys who adopted me, they're successful and they're wonderful and they're amazing people. My dad's my best friend, but I didn't learn anything more than, no, just go to school. You know, like that was all I learned from that, you know, whole time. And I, I, I was always taken to, to things that were on the wrong side of the tracks, you know, it just seemed cooler to me at the time, you know, and uh, let me down some, some 
not great paths. And, and for each one of those paths, I eventually get to a point and something inside me would say, oh, I think you've gone too far. Turn around, you know, and make a conscious decision to never do that again. Those little tiny victories, my earlier part of life, I'm never doing that again, I think was like the conditioning that I needed eventually to say, wait a second, if I can quit this, quit that, stop doing this, stop doing that, I can feel this chip in my, you know, my shoulder and I can turn my life around. And, you know, it's eventually, eventually you do. So, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but every single day was the worst day of my life before I got my life together, man. Every single day was a kick in the nuts. And now my life is extremely hard, dude. It's still extremely hard. I mean, I get pressure from every angle imaginable. And it's okay now. Like now it just, you know, blows right off. And, you know, you argue with your kids or your wife or your bosses or your, you know, colleagues or whatever. To me, it's no longer personal. I don't care. You're just doing you. I support you doing you. You know, and it becomes becomes easy. Like, you know, like I don't know what it is that changed, you know, but something changed with that where I stopped taking it all personal and realized in love, business, and war ain't nothing personal. It's just the way it is. And on your way to the top, there's every single person out there that's trying to cut your throat. And it's okay. They're just doing them. That's like, that's part of the process of getting from the bottom to the top, you know, and, uh, you know, here I am like, you know, doing pretty well. And still every day people throw wrenches and, you know, like, leave, you know, and it's, it's cool. You do you, bro. I'm going to keep doing me and I'm going to see where we end up in a few years. Cause I got goals. Having goals is seriously like the best thing. Like, if, you know, for anybody that doesn't know this, pick a goal and live up to that goal. It's the best. It is the absolute best, you know? Like right on my wall up over here, there's a, um, you can't see it, but a little you know, piece of paper. And every year on January 1st, I write my two biggest goals on this thing, okay? It's usually a financial goal and it's usually like a behavioral goal. I just literally stare at it every year. And the next year I'll stick a new one up on it. And next year I'll stick a new one up on it. This thing's like a stack of paper at this point. And I, I, I believe in that kind of presto manifesto type of stuff in life at this point, you know, because it's not, it's not like, oh, I want this, so boom, it snaps up. But it is like, I want this so bad, I'm going to make it material in my life, and I'm going to put intention behind it, and I'm going to hold myself accountable. Because it's pretty annoying to see your goals right up in front of you, and you don't hit them. You know, you know, it's like a little annoying. You're like, man, like last year, I, I didn't hit my goals last year. You know, like I still did like better than most could imagine. Right. I didn't hit my personal goals. And it was like that fire. Like once, once like November, December came around and I realized there was no possible way for me to get to my number. That fire really started building. Like, what, what do I have to do different to this year? Be able to get to my last year goal. Cause my goal doesn't really change until I hit that goal. Cause I don't even know what's next goal to set. You know, I have my eventual when I die type of goal. Right. And, but these little baby step goals, these annual goals to me, like they're important, very, very important. Like you can have a five-year goal. Like I want to be this thing in five years. Great. You know, that's like a dream in my world. It's not really like a goal. You know, the goal is like the baby step every year. What can I do to get to this number financially or whatever you might be doing? And so like, when I look at this thing right now, I'm dead on target, man. I am dead on target to hit that stupid number on my wall. And I'm dead on target. I've already finished it. I mean, it's an always ever-growing thing. But, you know, emotional intelligence is a thing this last couple of years that has been very important to me in my life because communication is, is so damn hard. <laughs> you know, like communicating with your wife, your kids, you know, whoever. It's, it's hard, man. So and I realized that, like, while I'm a great salesperson, advisor person or whatever, 
my kids and my wife, they don't, they don't respond like my clients do, <laughs> you know, they, they, they take it a totally different way. And so I had to learn how to condition my, my own humanity to be able to better communicate with my family, which to me is, my, is more important than the money. Right. So, you know, it's like, so these two goals, money and, and, and emotional intelligence are, have been what's really been driving me this last couple of years to, to be a slightly better man tomorrow than I was today and to be a slightly richer man tomorrow than I was today. It's not a massive goal. It's just, it's just, it's an achievable goal. Learning from your mistakes, man, you know, ask me, <laughs> you know, like didn't know I was supposed to learn from them until, you know, 35 years of my life. Now here we are. And uh, for better or worse, I feel like I'm on the right track finally. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Without question. And I mean, you just dropped so many jewels there. The one that is really exciting for me is, you know, having mile markers as you go on that journey towards that North Star, whatever it is. The other thing that you said that was like super important, I don't think people really put the two and two together. The better you are with relationships, the more wealthy you're going to be because the relationships are what turn into those big dollars. You can be transactional and not have good relationships and do really small opportunities or small deals. But if you want to do those big deals, it takes uh, an amount of energy and a deep relationship and bond to make that happen. It really does. And, and you know, in, in my role, so we, I sell trailer parks, mobile home communities, manufacturing communities around the country. It's such a weird little business, right? Most people never hear probably too many people like that. There's just like a handful of us in the country that make a, a real living off this business. And, you know, in inside this industry that I do of, of sales, it, it, there's a big transactional part of it. You know, like it's a big part of it because, you know, it's, I want to sell my park and you find me a buyer. There's a transaction there, right? But relationships are hands down how you make more money in this in this business. And you know, I mean, just just in this last quarter, just in quarter three, I, I sold I think it was fourteen or fifteen parts, thirty two million dollars. You know, and like that's I don't know if that's a good number or a bad number, but for me, that's a pretty good number. You know, compared to maybe somebody else in the country that does more. Great, good for him. I don't even know about you what you're doing. You know, so but for me, that is more in one quarter. And I was doing it an entire year just a few years ago, okay? Um, and and now I have a team, and I pay these guys just as much as they need to be happy. And, and for none of us on the team, is it about the money? Except it's about the money, but it's not about the money. It's about the relationship. It's knowing that, you know, we have a bond, that I got your back, you got my back. There is no I in this team. It's all like, you know, none of us win if all of us don't win. And that's just kind of how my team plays out. And, you know, it's against the grain for most teams in real estate that, that have a, a team system like what we have. Um, I make way less money on a per deal basis than I used to make, you know. But I think overall, it's it's given me friendship. It's given me, you know, true bonds with my with my teammates and, and, and gives me its own sense of happiness that I get outside of, you know, being in a family man and stuff like that. You know, it's the older you get, the harder it is to have friends. They're like, another, another, I only got maybe five or six friends, you know? So, you know, my team is, is very important to me. And I think each and every one of them knows, knows that. I mean, I'm taking my entire team to St. Thomas here in January for an all expense, you know, luxury little trip here in January because we did so well so far this year. 
you know, not too many other guys are doing things like that, but because I know how important it is to actually express gratitude and not some, you know, hyped up, you know, office PC kind of, you know, I support you nonsense, but put your money where your mouth is and show these guys, you know, that like, you know, we're, we're here to grow with each other. I'm here to learn from you. You know, hopefully you learn something from me and, you know, that whole kind of thing. And it's because it's, it's a strange, it's a strange path to, to be successful in business. It's not as easy as people make it seem. It's just not, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so hard, <laughs> you know, it's like on, on, in the, on the internet, you can make it look like you're wicked successful and, you know, doing great. I own all these things and do all this stuff. But how much money are you making, you know, and how much of your time is that costing you? And for me, it's never really been about the money. I mean, if I made $30,000 in a year, I was like, hey, you know, like, like, woo. I mean, some years I made less than $10,000, you know? So I started from a very low thing, you know, but, but now I got goals that are like, you know, like I don't deserve to have goals this big, you know? And, and yet I somehow feel like I'm going to achieve them by the time I'm, by the time it's done and done, I think I'm going to get there because I'm not going to get there. I'm going to do some other way to get there because it's what I want to do until life tells me, Glenn, you're on the wrong path again, go find a different path. And you have to be cognizant of this stuff, you know, you have to be, you can't jeopardize everything in your life just for your own selfish goal. So, you know, in, in, in my own kind of hippity dippity view of how the world works is, you know, it's life is always going to swing you back to center, but that pendulum is going to swing you a little far to kind of overcompensate from how far you came. And you have to learn how to really navigate that because it's like, you know, we all like to chase butterflies and think every, everything is such a, you know, oh, I got to do all these things. And you realize, oh, that was too far to the left. Oh, that was too far to the right. And it's like when you finally start paying attention, you like hone in. It's like, I'm not chasing butterflies, bro. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm going to go get the caterpillar. You know, that's way easier. You know, like I, I don't have to you know, do all these different things. I'm going to get this slow and steady kind of thing going. I'm going to build momentum on it. And the thing about success is it breeds success. You know, like. Like, I don't know how this works, but now they got me on TVs and they got me doing all this, I just wrote a book, you know, like all this weird stuff, you know, that like, it wasn't even on like my radar, man, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I don't know how to feel about all that, but hey, this is all part of the process and nothing, I know, even if I fail, I know my kids are seeing where we came from, they sharing a six, you know, six kids and two, you know, eight people in, in a tiny little house in the middle of nowhere, having a dumpster dive for our food. And my kids don't, I mean, nothing for nothing, but my oldest kid used to have to jump in the dumpsters with, you know, and, you know, coming from that and seeing where dad is now and all it takes is just some restructuring of some critical elements of your, of your mental process and, and cutting out some of the bad elements of your life. That's all it takes. They know that that is doable. Now. And that's all I wanted to make sure they knew was that the, that the impossible is possible. If somebody shows you that it's not impossible. You know, that just tells you because for most of us, we have to see it to believe it, you know, and I think I, I'm hoping I don't know. Man, I'm hoping that this somehow gets my kids to be like, I'm on that path Dad. I know I know it's going to be hard, but I know it's doable because you did it. You know, and, you know, my, my middle son, he's only 12 years old. But he's got accepted into Duke two years ago. He was not even he was not even 11. He got accepted into Duke. You know, on, on, there's a kid program and blah, blah, blah. But he's got a path to have a full ride at Duke now when he when he's ready. So he's in these accelerated programs. Not me, bro. I wasn't there. You know, <laughs> like, so it, this move, this fun, this, this fundamental shift that I've taken has had an impact on all my kids. And I think they've all seen that, like, yeah, farm life was fun and we did whatever we want. 
But unless if that's the lifestyle you want, you got to try for things. And they're all trying. Like my, my youngest son is one of the best baseballers in, in his league. My, you know, my, my middle son, like I said, he's an, he's an intellectual now. And he's just like so cool to hang out with and hear his thoughts on science. And my oldest son, you know, he's more of an artist type of person and he's getting his legs under him and he's going to be golden. You know, I mean, his, his, his logic is there. It's, he's just got to work through that last little bit of teenage angst, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't be prouder of myself for it, you know, um, and cause that was the only reason I did this stuff, <laughs> you know, like luckily, luckily here I am now and it's, it's pretty cool. I don't know. I feel like I'm bragging a little bit, so I'm going to tone it down a little bit. You but. should. I mean, good, right? Cause you think about it, family is probably one of the most important things. Well, you've said it already. Family is the most important thing for you. And I think it's probably the most important thing for you because of your upbringing. And so the fact that you've been able to create this life and be an example for those little people and show them what is possible, I think, and then them actually going out and doing something with it instead of just kind of shrugging their shoulders and these naughty little brats is where you should have your biggest sense of pride and fulfillment. So I, I don't blame you. I, I like to brag on Kay and Leah too. So, I mean, it, it's, it's good being a dad. That's part of the reason why I wanted it. It's the best, bro. It's the best. I know a lot of dads out there give up because they got a crazy woman that just makes it too hard. At least that's what they tell themselves. I'll tell you, it's like, you don't know half crazy. Okay. And, you know, as a man who's got kids to raise, you brought them in this thing. You got to take care of these kids, you know, like no matter how much poop you got to eat from this other person, no matter how painful it's going to be, you got to do it. You got to, you got, that was the only thing in my life that like, like I really cared about because I had nothing else to care about. So I just put myself in that position of like, ain't nothing going to break this bond between me and my kid. But, you know, I mean, as a guy who was adopted, I, I from day one, just long, once I learned I was adopted, that is, you know, long to have some, some, blood you know some like that kid is me and, and there's nothing more important than, than that to me is like you're part of me and, and therefore it's my responsibility to make sure I give you the best shot in life and not allow any of these other excuses to deter that because I have to be in your life I have to deal with your 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 mom or your whatever you know and no matter what they're doing it's not going to make me not be your dad and that that to me, like, like it's okay if, if I die. It's it's okay if I'm poor. It's okay if I'm all these other things. As long as my kids know that dad's gonna come through thick or thin, you know, and uh, not not let some excuse get in his way because he's having an emotional difficulty with somebody else that's involved in my life, you know. Like, how do people have that problem where they just they like? There's this there's this really great guy that that I mean, he's a young man. He's my he's about nineteen or twenty. You know, he's a homeless kid a few years ago that I met that was uh, here in Wilmington. And I'm like, what are you doing? You can't sleep outside, you know, like, that's not cool. So I brought him in, you know, as a stranger and, and he lived with us for like a year, year and a half. Joe, my kid's crazy, you know, <laughs> like he drove crazy. And, and, but he's like my, he's like my adopted son. Now. I love that guy. Like his name's Larry. He's amazing. And, you know, like this poor guy had a terrible father who left him, had a, had a mom who just, you know, had too many kids and never paid attention to him. And she was dying in hospice. And he's sitting on the, on the street trying to go to school and, you know, and eating out of the dumpster and doing all that kind of stuff. I said, well, oh, it's winter time. You know, like, I don't know you, but I'm going to give you a shot. And, but that kid has come, that kid has lived up to it. He still has a, a long road ahead of him, you know. Um, and, and I think extraordinary experiences like that to my children, despite how aggravating it might have been for them at times, you know, because, you know, it's a totally new personality and this guy's, you know, totally different than them and things like that. 
But I think that that's the important stuff that as a father, I need to teach them this, you know, how to be a human, how to help humans, you know, how to be determined in your goals and how to show up over and over again. And that's, you know, that's for me what it takes you know, to feel good about what I'm doing in life, you know. Um, I mean, like right now, my farm, like I'm not living there, right? So I got a pile of people living over there for free because <laughs> of like, uh, you know, like you need a place, so we can go stay there. You know, there's a real great guy. Uh, his name's Froggy. You know, it's a funny name, I know, but you know, him and his wife and his two kids, their 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 house flooded a couple of years ago, and they were pregnant. And came out of the hospital when the kids were born, and the house was covered in mold. And you're like, Glenn, I don't know what to do. So we, we let them move into our farm and. You know, so they're staying there and getting their feet up under them. And, they, you know, have other people. It's a big farm, so we have other people stay there and help out with this, that, or the other on the thing. And, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes people are like, why, 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 why would you, you don't even know these guys? What do I care if I know these guys or not? I'm in a position to help. Let's help. You know, like, it don't cost me nothing. You know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there might be some risk there that, you know, break something or steal something. But, like, so, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Like, what was that going to do to me? You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, I mean, there's always consequences. If you do something bad, I'm not going to keep helping you, right? You know, but, like, at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm in a position to help, and if I can help, I want to help. And that statement of I will persist until I succeed comes from a, a book from Augman Bingo, who, you know, I, I really encourage all of your readers to read it. And it's, it's a stupid name for a book. I don't even really know how it applies. Um, but it's called The Greatest Salesman on Earth. And it's, it's about this philosophy of just, you know, always give more than you take. And, you know, if you make a hundred bucks, give 50 of it away, you know, like, just like, what do you care? You know, and it, for cover my thing, like $10,000, $20,000 a year. Now I have more money. It's like, what do I care? What do I, like, I, I'm fine. As long as my nuts covered every month, you know, like, let's go help people out. And so that's been a big, big change, you know, uh, on my team as we're getting pretty successful with, with, with things is how do we do more to support more communities and how do we do more to help more people? And, you know, is it, do we buy somebody a mobile home and, and give them a space in a park as part of like the thank you for, you know, whatever, or do we, do we supply this, that, or the other, do we just make a donation uh, to this cause or that cause? For me, I like that direct helping stuff like bringing Larry into my life, you know, and, and, and nurturing that type of stuff. Some of the guys on my team don't like that aspect, and I can't require that of them, right? You know, so it's we, we kind of figure out, and we're, we're trying to figure out how to build this into our plan for next year. Now that we're in the last quarter of the year, we got a lot of goals to work on for next year, and that's one of the bigger goals for me for next year. Is okay, we got the business down, we got the money down. Now, how do we get into this part of it and help encourage other people to do the right thing? Like housing should not be something that just because you you know don't have money that you don't get a place to live, like. That's insane, man. And here in North Carolina, there's so many, so many good folk don't have homes right now. And because whether whether they got tossed out of their house too young because they got some dysfunctional household stuff or, you know, because they sold a bag of weed to somebody and got arrested and kicked out or, you know, whatever it might be, you still deserve to have a place, you know. And I, to me, that's going to be one of the big principles of, of the next mission in my life is to really try and help that kind of side. I feel terrible when I see a homeless person. You've been there before, so you. Yeah, if you haven't slept under a bridge or eaten out of the dumpster, I don't want to talk about how these, you know, people, you know, could do more on their own if they just get their life together. You know, it's like it ain't like that, man. There's 
there's a lot of you know sexual abuse, mental abuse, you know, a lot of a lot of these type of things that cause the situation to happen. And it sucks, man. <laughs> you know, and then we just grind them harder because they don't fit up to our status quo of what we think a person should be doing with their life, you know. And uh for me it's you know, I don't know I'm probably going on a rant here. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's what you're passionate about. And for me, that's the most important thing and the thing that I was most interested in hearing from you on. And so the final question for this episode, because this has been phenomenal, at least from my standpoint, is what is the one thing you want listeners to take away from this conversation? Man, I will persist until I succeed. That's what I want you all to know. Trust me, you didn't come up any harder than I did. I mean, I, I promise. And, and, and I promise that you have more ability to go further than I did. Okay. And if you're, if you're young and you're thinking life's too hard and that mountain's too high, you ain't got no better to do anyways, you know? So you better start walking and getting up that hill. And it takes a lot of process, man. You know, it takes getting confidence in yourself. Take that school course. You know, people dismiss college and stuff like that is unnecessary in today's world because all you need is a trade and you can make your, 50 grand or whatever. Cool. Yeah, you can, you know, but, but what colleges and classes teach you is a new process of learning and you get these, these new ideas just because you learned a new idea, you know, and, and the spin out from there can lead you to just wondrous places. I mean, I've been to every 50 state, I've been to, you know, dozens of countries and I, I've, I've seen this around everywhere. People, no matter where that I've gone, people that seem the happiest are the guys that are pushing themselves. You know, the guys that are like, oh, I, you know, started in this pretty weird spot and, you know, I wasn't going to take no for an answer and now I'm here. And like, it's not, it's not skill, it's mindset. It's mindset that gets you from point A to B, you know, like we all have the same opportunities ahead of you. And I know there's definitely some privilege out there. There's definitely lots of, you know, barriers to entry for a lot of people, you know, um, and giving some people a head start and giving some people, you know, a backwards start. How's a backwards start do, you know? Like I might have started with a little privilege and then immediately lost all because I took every wrong turn possible. And, you know, like when I stopped making that excuse is when things started happening. When I said, well, shit, I still have a long way to go. I better start walking. You know, that's that's what it takes because eventually it compounds. Eventually it does. Eventually you start meeting the right people. You start talking the right talk, walking the right walk, living the right lifestyle finding your sense of purpose. And from there, man, once you find your purpose, man, it's so much better in life, you know? And, and you might not know your purpose is yet. I mean, like, you know, like I know I didn't know what my purpose. I thought I was going to be a freaking cowboy farmer type, you know, like I thought that's what I needed in life to be happy. And I realized once I had that, like, this is miserable. I mean, it's cool, but it's miserable, you know, like, oh, it's just a selfish way of life almost, you know, for me. And, you know, uh, when I, when I said, I want to help people, I want to make a lot of money and I, I just want to see if I can get, get as far as I can go. That sense of purpose really pulls the path out for you. And, you know, there's lots of great literature out there on, you know, emotional intelligence and, and guys, that's a piece of the puzzle. It, it is. It's just, it's just a piece of the puzzle because you have to know how to respond in different emotional situations and, and how to interpret those thoughts instead of just letting that negative really hurt you. Because most of us, you know, we get on the angry side of life everything's angry. You know, if you're, if you're a hammer, all you see is a nail, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. And, you know, if you're, you're on the super happy side of life, well, you know, maybe you, maybe you're not trying necessarily hard because life's not meant to be super happy or super hard. You're, you're supposed to find that nice balance where it's, you're struggling in that three to 5% struggle above what you're capable of. Cause that's, that's where the meat is, man. You know, like I can go 3% harder, you know, like, 
three percent harder ain't, ain't ain't hard. You know what I mean? But if I'm trying to if I'm start with a thousand dollars, I'm trying to get to a million dollars. That ain't digestible, bro. <laughs> you know, start with a thousand dollars. Maybe I can get to eleven hundred bucks. Maybe I can get whatever that next little tiny increment is. Start building that path. Start building your your, your intelligence. Start building your skill sets. And just, you know, learn as much as you can about everything. Guys, I have a doctorate degree in my college. Like, trust me, totally not useful in life. It's a study of mushrooms, if you don't know. Totally not useful in life. But because it taught me new patterns of learning and it was something I was into, I think it helped set the foundation for me to be able to understand how to get from $1,000 to a $1 million. Because I was able to understand the details of, of what that learning process looked like to get from these things so I can dissect these things down to baby little elements that are now digestible. You know, like that's all I got to do is just be a little bit better tomorrow and, and, and you'll be eventually where you need to go. If you can take a big step, take a big step. But if you can't take a big step, take a small step, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like whatever that might be, you know, I don't know what it is for you, you know, but whatever that might be, you know, it's, you know, my kids argue about, Oh, it's going to take forever to do the chores. I mean, still going to have to do them. You might as well get started now. And maybe this time when you're vacuuming the floor, you're going to be able to, you know, learn a trick from last time because, you know, you won't have to go back and do it again this time. You got a little bit better on that. And in a year from now, you're not going to argue with me about vacuuming the floors. Same with the dishes, same with the, the whatever it might be. And that's, to me, been very important in my process is like I gave up competing with people. I gave up comparing myself to people. And all I want to do is be a little bit better tomorrow, whatever that means, a little bit better tomorrow. Because that usually is going to make me feel better, you know. Start with the easy stuff. Start with the easy stuff, like whatever that might be. Like, oh, I'm going to drink one less soda a day. You know, I, I lost 40 pounds in the last six months, okay. And uh, I said, what, how can I get so fat? You know, I, my wife cooks really good food, right. You know, and, 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 and I said, I just have to stop. So what can I do to make me stop? I can't blame my wife for cooking good food. But what I can do is say, hey, babe, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start. I'm going to take over the cooking for dinner. Okay, so I, so I started cooking dinner. I said, oh, well, this is good. I'm losing a little bit of weight, but I'm still drinking soda like a madman. Well, I'm going to drink one less soda today. Now I'm down to one soda a day, and I'm fine with that. You know, and I've lost 40 pounds. A little bit better tomorrow is all you got, is all you got to aim for. Glenn, I thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. I think the listeners are going to take a lot away. I know I did. And the biggest thing that I took away is the importance of really just getting 1% better and being a human and seeing and others, regardless of where their position is in life. I think so many of us can turn up our nose and forget that the other people, maybe because they have less money than we do or whatever status or whatever we want to compare it to, and they don't deserve what we deserve. But you exemplify the fact that no matter where you start, you can go to where you want to go. It ain't about where you're from. It's about where you're going, man. You know? That's it. Beautiful. So, Glenn, again, thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. I can't wait. Thanks for having me on here, Jerome. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.